Hello, legends. Today, I catch up with Cub member Katie O'Connell, founder and CEO of Katie Creative, an award-winning brand agency that builds thriving online brands. Katie is one of my favorite entrepreneurs to talk to and always gives me some fantastic advice. In this episode, we discuss how being a business owner made Katie a better mum and vice versa, the benefits of building a personal brand and how to do so, and the importance of making sure your team love being at work, having a positive culture and an enjoyable time. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> I told you my energy was off today. But um, but now I'm so excited to, to have you here because when we started talking, actually the first time we ever spoke was um, when, was it just before the launch of BOA? Anyway, you gave me still today some of the absolute best advice uh, I've ever received um, uh, with BOA and, and like with building a social media and that type of thing. So ever since then I was like, okay, I've got to get Katie on the show because – she should be sharing some wisdom with some of our listeners. But so anyway, tell me about Katie Creative. How long has it been around? First of all, thank you for having me on the show. Very excited for today. Um, so Katie Creative has been around around six years now um, and it just started very organically. I was kind of freelancing on the side when I was working full time and then decided to kind of do that by myself and it kind of evolved from there. So it's been over six years that it's been um, kind of officially going now. And essentially we help business owners to build and grow a thriving online brand. Um, so yeah, love what we do and um, we're based in Sydney. And so what does that mean, thriving online brand? What does that entail? So you're helping people do digital marketing or you're helping them create digital assets or... Yeah, so we basically build and grow brands. So it starts with the foundations and that's what we always say to um, clients and things like that is that, you know, unless you really have a solid foundation, an amazing brand with great messaging and something that people really resonate with, that if you then go and just spend all your money on marketing, it's just not going to convert. You know, people aren't like going to magically start loving your brand just because you've spent money on it. You know, it has to be a solid idea first and then you can add fuel to the fire. So we do do some marketing as well, but we start, we always start with the foundations of getting your brand and your messaging and your positioning right. And then we go from there. So building a thriving brand, to me, it's all about kind of like, I feel like there's so many different businesses. There's so many experts. There's, it's so hard to stand out uh, these days and having a thriving brand is really just like differentiating yourself packaging up what you do in a way that seems really unique so even though you might be I don't know an accountant or a real estate agent and there might be millions of other people doing exactly what you do it's like how do you brand yourself and position yourself so that you're not just another xyz you know it's like you you just make it sound and look and feel really unique and people actually remember you and it sticks Okay, so would you say that is really the key to creating a, th a thriving brand, cre creating one that is strategically unique? I think so. It's unique. Um, it needs to be unique in the sense that like people need to resonate with it and really feel like, oh, that really makes sense to me or I really like that or, you know, that people really um, feel kind of attracted to emotionally, like they build an emotional connection with the brand. And that's done through the messaging or through the aesthetic that, you know, you actually see it. Like if you think about a cafe, like a physical presence, um, you know, I'm a massive foodie and I'll just like walk down the street and if something catches my eye because it looks cute or there's like nice vibes, good music, nice interiors, then you're like, oh, what's this? And you go in and you might then want to taste the food. And it's kind of like that with your brand. It's like tasting the food or experiencing your service or product is like the last step. So it's like, what are you doing to kind of attract people and to kind of put out that energy that's going to have people thinking, oh, that sounds like or feels like or or seems like something that I would really love. Yeah, I like that idea. I've never kind of had that. It's like really if someone like your brand is what people are getting from your business without actually having yet used your business or a lot of the time if they're not a client, you know. So if you're not a client, a cub, for example, you don't really know any. You, you, you have, you're not, you know, you're not in cup, you're not experiencing the service, you're not experiencing the, t the team, you, you haven't met the members. Therefore, the cub brand to you is just what you can see from the outside. And and I need a, I need to, um, if I was, a, if cub was a cafe, I need to, you know, set up a little 
nice, good smelling cake and put a fan behind it. And, you know, like, yeah. you know when you walk past bakeries, you're like, oh, I should go yeah. in there. Like, constantly like, have like bread in the oven, just like. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what, what, are your, what are people that aren't your clients getting from, from you? What is their experience with, with your brand? As in that engage with our brand before they become. I'm saying, well, that is like what brand, what a brand is. It's like, well, if someone's not your client, they're not using you, they don't know anything about you. Well, then it's what they can see. Yeah. It's like a movie trailer. It's before you go to the cinema and see a movie, you want to be enticed into doing it. You know, you have to kind of like sell yourself before you even sell the actual product. And sometimes like the businesses that we work with can be like some of the best kept secrets and they've got amazing products or amazing services. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do is that often it's just a few little tweaks or, you know, just a couple of things that can really transform a business into being like a really well-kept secret into something that's um, really memorable, really stands out and things like that. So um, yeah, often it can just be a few little things. And the thing is when you have your own business, um, it's hard to see the wood from the trees. Like you're so close to everything. You built it from scratch. You know exactly what you do. You know how great it is. And so you then sometimes think everyone knows and often people don't know, but also like you have trouble sometimes as a business owner, even describing what it is in a really succinct and engaging way. So I feel like that's where, you know, an expert comes in like an agency or whatever that can just be that objective person to like really be able to see what it is that makes you unique because everyone is unique and every business is unique, but sometimes people don't even know what it is that makes them special. And you're right. It could just be something very small, like a small tweak mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference to the, to the business. Like yep. it, it's not a huge overhaul. It's just, it's kind of like understanding yourself better mm-hmm. as a person. You know, a business can understand itself better as a business. And, you know, you know, when you, when you're younger and you're, you just, you don't know yourself that well. You've got friends that, you know, shouldn't really be your friends and all this stuff. It's kind of the same thing, you know, as a business, you get to know, you, the business gets to know itself better and then it, it's able to identify, you know, portray itself better, attract people that should be with it better, that suit it better. I said better too much. <laughs> you know, like uh, it, it's really about understanding. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, it really is. It's just understanding. And then once you have that understanding, it really just things click and then you kind of, you know, feel more confident with putting yourself out there because you really know what your selling point is, you know what your messaging is. And yeah, it just really gives you that confidence to then go out and kind of put yourself out there more and be a bit more confident with what you're doing because it just clicks. Mm, yeah. And what were you doing before? Were you always in business or or were you in the corporate world before or what were you doing? Always, always kind of creative. So, um, you know, I was in, I did visual communications in uni and then I was working in a fashion magazine, um, for about a year before I moved to Australia. And from then, Ireland, from obviously. Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in case anyone anyway. didn't pick up the accent, top of the morning. <laughs> it's actually not that strong, but it's, I love the Irish accent. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. There's so many accents depending on like where you are from in the country. It's mm. crazy. But, um, yes. Yeah, so then when I got to Australia, I was working in an agency as an art director. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I was, I always, always had like a creative outlet, everything that I'm doing as well. So at the time I was like food blogging, some massive foodie. So I was, Um, doing a lot of food blogging. I met a lot of other food bloggers and authors and nutritionists and things like that at the time. And they were all looking for branding and eBooks and websites and things like that. So they just naturally kind of asked me, could I help them? And so I kind of organically started doing a lot of freelance on the side, like helping them build their brand and their website and things like that. And then, um, yeah, it was very organic that I just then decided to transition to that like full time, but I never really had a grand plan or business plan. I thought like I would just do that, but then it just got too busy for just me. So I started building a team. And then when I started building a team, that's when I really caught the like business bug. It wasn't something I set out to do, but I find like, I love problem solving and I'm quite creative. So like now business is just a new outlet for me to kind of problem solve and be creative and, you know, be able to work strategically. So kind of started like more visually creative and then it kind of diverted into more of like strategically and business creative. But I think that really helps because now whenever I approach branding for a small business and things like that, it's always very like commercially minded, you know, because I know like that's so important to businesses. It's like, what is the end result and what return are we going to get from this? So yeah, it's really helped inform like the work that I do as well as my own business. And it's like, 
I, I mean, I obviously speak to so many business owners and so many of them actually just fall into business kind of organically. Mm. Like, you know, it's like an act, you accidentally fall in and it's just like, oh, here it is. And I kind of like it. So like, <laughs> let's keep going with it. Like it doesn't always have to be that huge grand plan with a written down business plan. And, you know, like yeah. sometimes, most times I, I feel like it's just kind of like a river, you know, you might start up in a creek somewhere in, in a mountain and you kind of fall in and you keep going down and you get to a bigger kind of we go down a waterfall, get to a river and it, you, know, you keep going with it. And next minute you've got, you know, you started with maybe just helping a blogger and next minute you've got a full creative agency or, or branding agency just by going with the flow. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, I think it's like a combination of, of kind of going with the flow and following like your intuition and your kind of purpose as well as then like perseverance as well. So it's not just going to fall in your lap, but it's also, it's like a combination of listening to your intuition and like, you know, you don't have to have a ground plan. You'll kind of follow that guidance, but also then like it also takes a lot of hard work, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> Would you say it's easier or, or harder than having when you had a job? Oh, like a million times harder, but, <laughs> but, um, but more enjoyable, you know? So like, yeah, it's, it's much more like I choose, I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's the freedom. It's like, I choose to do it cause I want to, and I'm building something, you know, mm. whereas like a job is like a job. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so tell me about the company now. They're talking about the team. Um, uh, how big is the team? So with the team at the moment, we've recently scaled back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so there's six on the core team and then there's probably another four or five that kind of come in for project-based work. Um, so we've gone through a lot of iterations with the team and things like that. And um, yeah, it's feel like we've really hit our sweet spot now. Uh, potentially we'll build it even bigger again. But um, uh, yeah, I um, had my baby a year ago and that gave me a lot of time to kind of reflect and just, um, my team was a lot bigger the business was a lot bigger before that, but, um, it was, I just felt like it was kind of going in a direction that not, wasn't necessarily the way I kind of wanted it to go. And so I decided to kind of scale back a little bit after that, cause I had so much time to kind of think and just have clarity. Um, and yeah, just changed a few things. And now like the team, the team is just really thriving and, you know, everyone gets on so well, the culture is really amazing. And the way we've kind of set it up now is so that like everyone kind of is working dedicatedly with the client. So they really get that really nice experience. It's not like a faceless agency where you've got like an account manager and then, you know, tons of different like designers and developers you never meet. So, um, yeah, it's just a nicer experience, I think. Tell me more about that. So, so the business was growing, it was getting big, you had a baby and you, did you feel that, okay, I could keep making the business bigger, but I kind of want more time and more balance. And so I wanted to make it to, to bring it back. Is that what you're saying? Like you wanted to make it more fit for purpose for you or? Yeah, it was more that like I kind of hired like quite a few senior people and thinking that was kind of like, you know, what was needed at the time. And while there was definitely a lot of like pros to that, in the end, it kind of was like too many cooks in the kitchen type of thing where there was too many different ideas and like it was kind of not, it was being pulled away from like my, initial vision kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I decided to kind of restructure a little bit and just really bring it back into that, like aligned vision and just really, you know, doing work that, um, you know, scaling back even the services that we're offering and just making sure that we're doing everything that we're doing is like, absolutely. We're brilliant and world-class at what we're doing and just, yeah, building a more systemized business and, um, yeah, just doing work that we're really proud of. And yeah, I, I might build it up again, even bigger. But, um, for me at the moment, the goal is more, you know, just doing really amazing work for the clients that we have. And it, that, I mean, that's an interesting topic because a lot of people think, okay, we're going well now we're doing good. Like, Oh, I need some, you know, more senior people in on, on the staff to like, I mean, you can ask Laura when we were growing, like when Cub was growing, um, uh, a while ago, you know, every time we've ever brought in anyone that senior, like from another organization or that, you know, had good titles and all this shit and like, they always sucked. They always, always, it never worked for Cub. What worked for us was all, and I think for most SMEs was always uh, working with existing team members who share the company's values, who, you know, they're dedicated to company. They've been here, they know it and giving them more responsibility, giving them more finance and, and, that always worked better for us, like lifting existing people than bringing new in. In fact, bringing the new people in, they just never, particularly when they came from like the technology companies, like they just did have, they had no work ethic. They never worked. Um, 
Um, so I, I can relate. I can re- I can relate to, to to that issue, and it's also something that a lot of growing uh, you know, growing businesses do. They're like, oh yeah, the next step is I have to hire these people. Yeah, and that's just sometimes not the case. It may sometimes be, but it wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's hard to know until you've like tried different things out, and there's always lessons from from all of it. You know, I wouldn't like change anything because it's really like helped shape the way the business is today, but. Um, yeah, I think like culture fit is just so important. Just, you know, making sure, I mean, at the end of the day, you're kind of working <laughs> so much of your life. You want to just like make it a really enjoyable place to be and make sure that, you know, everyone's really working well together, like wants to be there, loves what they're doing. I think it's so important, you know, like who wants to like, especially because, you know, that's kind of big thing that made me start my business is I kind of hated working in like different kind of more toxic cultures and I really just hated that you know I felt like there was less like creative work being done and more time was being spent you know with politics and things like that and so it's always been like my mission that like the company I start is going to be the opposite of that and you know it's going to be a place that people want to be and that it's fun and people work to their strengths and don't get me wrong I definitely as a small business owner and as a boss, I've got high standards and high expectations, but it's kind of like there's, there's a really great reward for that as well. And just like, you know, people are treated really well and like the best feedback I can get is from my team when they're like, you know, so happy where, where they're working and just like are thriving. And like, that just makes me feel so happy and proud when that happens. And I think also, yeah, uh, like you want to have, you're, you're working so much with people that you want to enjoy those people. So, you know, you want people that align with you, but like you're saying, you know, your staff want to have fun. They're, they're working almost every day of their life. You know, that you should, we, like businesses should promote having fun, like with the team, having a laugh, like don't always be serious, like make, yeah. make it and make it enjoyable. And talk to me about those toxic cultures. They come up a lot. What do you mean by yeah. toxic cultures so at other companies? just kind of, you know, um, previous experience I've had in like workplaces just been a lot more about like the focus has been on politics and like, you know, who's staying back the latest and like, you know, who's just all this redundant stuff and like, you know, just all this kind of bitching about like stuff that really is irrelevant. And I just, there's, I feel like there's nothing more draining than having to listen to like negativity all the time. And just like, I don't know, I just have always been very passionate and very purpose driven and I just want to be like creating and doing amazing things and I don't want to be dragged down and bullshit basically. Yeah, good vibes. Yeah. Everyone keep the good vibes. Exactly. And did did becoming a mum, how did that impact you in business? That was like, yeah, that was kind of one of the most transformation. Trans- Transformational. <laughs> Transformational. <laughs> or transformative. Um, transformative things that is um that is that's ever happened to me for sure. It just um it just makes you so like dis- well for me anyway, it makes me so decisive and so um yeah, just decisive and just no time to fuck around. You know what I mean? Just like, it's, yeah. It just, it's probably a good thing. It's like, a really good yeah. thing. I feel like, honestly, having a baby is great for business. For me, it's like, makes me so decisive. I just know what I want. I'm, you know, I have no time to sugar, like as in, in a nice way, but I'm like, I know what, like, what needs to happen. I know how to make decisions. I'm like, I don't have time to be, you know, um, yeah, just like flip-flopping back and forth. And it's actually made made me, I think, a lot more attuned to like, you know, what I need and what the team needs and what the business needs. And it's also like made me look at things a little less personally. Like, you know, when it's your own business, I feel like you can take things a bit personally. You're like, it's your baby. But then when you have an actual baby, it's like, oh, okay, this is an actual human baby. It's a bit different. And so you can look at things a bit more objectively as well. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, (laughs) I I think that that what you were saying about being forced to be more selective with your time and what you spend time on. That's something that I think also happens naturally as a business grows. Like as a business gets much bigger, like I know now I'm much better at focusing on the most important things as I was, you know, three years ago, two years ago, whatever it was. But I I can imagine having a baby, uh, fast tracks that as well or, or amplifies it because now I've got, you know, I've got a baby I've got to look after and I've got a business I've got to look after. So automatically I'm bang. Everything I do has to be the most important thing I'm doing. Like I can imagine it almost, it like almost being an accelerator on uh, CEO skills Yeah, because you're automatically, you're, 
you just need to be more efficient. You need to be more decisive. You need to be more focused on the things that are going to deliver the most value or that are the most important or that are the biggest risks. Um, so I, I, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And it's also kind of given me permission to do that in a way, whereas like, you know, I'm I'm definitely probably more of like by nature, maybe a bit more of a people pleaser. Um, whereas I feel like, you know, when you when you literally say to your team, I've got four hours today to work, like I need you to do this, I'm going to do this. I don't know, it just kind of, it just gives you that like, um, yeah, it's just kind of nice way to be able to just be like, okay, this is what I need. And to, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with kind of being clear about what I need and delegating and things like that. But yeah, it's interesting how I feel like life and business is so intertwined, you know, because I think also being a business owner has made me a better mother because um, like, I don't know, you know, you've been through so many ups and downs of business, so many challenges, like so toughens much, you a bit as well. hundred percent. And like, you know, so now it's like, you know, cause I just like, I meet other new moms and, and don't get me wrong. I think all moms, like they're all doing the best they can. They're amazing. But you know, you just hear some people they're like, you know, really stressing about like something so small. And I'm just like, 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 you know, so like it really takes a lot to stress me out at the moment. Um, I just feel like, and th- business has kind of given me that. So you know, I'll be just like, <laughs> just to like covered in like spew and like things going all. And I'm just like, oh, whatever. I'll just quickly wash it off and like get on with it. Like, you know, it's really like not a big deal to me. So yeah, it's just interesting how it all, like, it's not like business over here and, and life and personal stuff over here. It's all it's one. One. Oh, you're preaching to the choir. That's what I say that to the team all the time. I'm like, guys, work's not, it's not work and life. It's just life. And part of life is we need work. And it's probably the most important part of life because it's where we spend most of our time and it's what allows us to do everything else we do. So it's almost like the lifeblood. It's it's kind of like the blood of life, you know, like and and making – see, like that's why I love the idea of like people enjoying being at work and people having friends at work and people laughing at work and because it is their life. Like it's it's all one. And, and, you know, being a mum has made you a better business person but also being a business person first sounds like you feel that it's made you a better mum or a more capable mum, a better mum, whatever you'd call it, mm-hmm. um, um, uh, with the mum coming after being a business person. Like, it, you know, it just everything pieces together. Yeah, it all It's what you make together. of it, you know. Definitely. And so it's just like any work you do on yourself or any work you do in your business is like always such an investment to like all, all facets of your life. Yeah. And how do you manage your time then? Oh God, <laughs> it is hard. Like time is a struggle sometimes, but it's, um, I, I mean, my biggest challenge and something that I really have been working on the past year, you know, since she's been born is just being really, trying to be really focused and trying to be really present. So whatever I'm doing, being fully there doing that. So, um, you know, I feel like I was just completely addicted to my phone, to Slack, to email, ev- notifications, everything like that. And I had to literally like take a couple of weeks, I'd say, to like, you know, calm down my nervous system and be able to like get off the dopamine of checking things all the time. So that's been really actually, I think, valuable to do that because um, there's there's something called like um, like it's partial attention. It's like ongoing partial attention and it's really draining on your energy. And I feel like so many business owners, myself included, do that when you're like, you know, you're doing 500 things at once and it's really actually not getting you very far. So in a way, having my daughter has like really made me very aware um, that I was doing that and that I don't want to be doing that. Like I don't want to be, you know, with her and checking emails or I don't want like or also when I'm working, I want to be fully present working. So um in terms of managing my time, it's more about trying to, yeah, like f- pull out those focused times. So um, I've got a part-time nanny at the moment. And then my husband uh, is also an entrepreneur. And so we can split the rest of the care. Um, so that's been really great. And then other than that, it's really been about being super selective of like what I can work on and what I do best and really working um, to my kind of skills, which is also just a big lesson in like restraint and like boundaries and just being able because sometimes it's not even my team that are like you know kind of hassling me for stuff as in a lot of the time as in sometimes they are asking for things in slack or whatever but I could easily get back to them in a few hours you know what I mean it's not like urgent but a lot of the time it's me that just like 
can't, you know what I mean? I'm a bit ADD where I'm like, oh no, I'll just get back to them now. Or I'm like jumping into things where I could just leave it for a while. So I think that's been a big learning is like, you know, have compartmentalizing the different things I'm doing and not being available 24 seven, really having that like set focus time. That's something that I think is really important. That's something that I actually reckon I'm struggling with at the moment. It's the compartmentalizing or, or the focus thing. Like, and, and sometimes you can be really good at it and you, you know, you can be really present at what you're doing and kind of really focused, I think is the word. But then sometimes, you know, every time you're doing something, you start doing something else. And then you go back to that thing. Like I'm doing that right now. I can, I can, I can tell you it's because I have so many things on and like, even these conversations kind of help me. I'm like, yeah, just chill, like step back. Sometimes you really need to just reset, like, um, you know, write a list of to-dos for the week that you need to get done and just focus on those to-dos. Like I always found that those were my most effective weeks when I just said, these are the things I need to do this week. And I just didn't do anything else except for those things. Mm-hmm. And, but then you get, when you get really busy and there's so much going on with life and, and with work, all of a sudden there's like little things that pop up throughout your week that you've got to get done. And then you get to the end of your week and you look at your to-dos that you had to do and like none of them are done or two of them. Like if you were just focused, you'd be far more effective, whether it be for work or for, or, or for life. Like focus is just hugely important. You just reminded me I need to get my shit together because I... <laughs> If you can't tell from this conversation, I am really unfocused uh, at the moment. And and does your team work from home or do you have an office? So mostly from home, but then they go into the office once a week in Double Bay. Okay, so they're mostly from home, but you've got an office in Double Bay. Yeah. And how did you, like, what's your philosophy around uh, leadership and work? environment or and all, flexibility and all that type of thing yeah uh, very like we're very flexible in fact like it's the team that chooses they want to come in once a week um because they just like the collaborative nature I would be fine at once a month I think it's amazing to collaborate especially with a creative agency like to get the team together and we usually like once a month we always catch up and we do something fun so um we'll go and you know go for lunch or we'll um you know have an expert come in and like talk to us about like our strengths or each month it's different um so we always have that like once a month day where we do team bonding fun things together but also get content so we'll like also you know get lots of content for our socials and things like that and then after that I'm totally open to like work from home but they actually want to come in one day a week which is fine with me um and my philosophy is just really it's about like getting the job done and getting the job done well it's not I'm not here to micromanage how you do it or you know I mean in in saying that don't get me wrong we've got SOPs for everything um the way that I've set up the business is in such a way that, you know, the team is very well trained. They know what they need to do. They know the standards. They know what they need to execute. So it's not like, oh, yeah, just do what you want. Get the job done. It's not like wishy-washy or anything. It's very structured. But then I feel like that structure sets you free because then they know what they're doing. It's repeatable. And within that, they can be creative within that within that framework. And what about as a leader, how would you describe yourself? Like what's your philosophy towards leadership? What's the thing that you need to be to help your team perform the best? That's a good question. Um, I've been described once by a team member as firm but fair. Um, So in the sense that like we do, you know, obviously have, you know, um, very high standards in the work that we do. But I also am very compassionate and understanding if, if something's going on we've got a very open policy. Like we check in with team members like once a month and then a more formal one every quarter just to see how everyone's going. Um, I really believe in like supporting my team with, with what they're doing. So whether that's things in work or outside of work, like a lot of my team have their own side passions. Um, you know, they've got one is like a really amazing food blog. She's got like a quarter of a million followers on TikTok with her food blog. And like another one is um, really into like styling and um, doing content creation. So, uh, you know, when we catch up, it's, you know, I, I give them guidance and support with their passions outside of work. And then also, you know, give them helpful feedback on how they can improve within their role. Um, and then, you know, I feel like we've got a very, like one of our uh, brand values is compassionately direct, which just means that like, you know, we're very kind to one another, but also say what needs to be said. And to me, yeah, I just think like, I don't know, I hate when there's, I hate when you feel like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or I'm not. Is someone like bitching at me behind my back? I don't know if they're like 
saying, oh, it's fine, but actually, you know what I mean? I just think just be open, be transparent, and then everyone knows where they stand. It's a very open door policy and it's just so much more relaxed and chill when, you know, people are just open and... Honest. Honest. I think honesty is probably the biggest missing link of most teams. Like if people are just honest with each other, even if someone's overworked, like, and they, if they have the ability and they feel, they feel overworked anyway, if they have the freedom to be honest with their team or with their boss and say, listen, I'm feeling really over, like I'm a bit overwhelmed at the moment. Like if they just said that, if your boss is a good boss and a, you know, compassionate person who cares about their business, you know, the boss is going to be like, look, let's, what can we do to fix it? Like what can, what can we reduce at the moment? Or do you need time? Do you need to work from home one day a week? Or, but if that honesty is not there, people end up just leaving, you know, or bitching about each other. Yeah. But, you know, I think honesty is, is really the key to a highly functioning honesty and work ethic. Yeah. And then other than that, I think it's like leading by example. You know, you can't <laughs> expect yeah. people to do things that you're not willing to do. And it's like, you know, we all like put our, put our, um, are not afraid to get our hands dirty and just, you know, I, I feel like I'll jump in with whatever someone needs help with. Or, um, I think you also just, yeah, have to really just, um, be that leader that just actually is a good role model and it's like you know what I mean just just acting like in accordance with how the values that you're expecting them to, to you know I agree to live with. I, I think I actually think most companies the culture is just what the the owner or leader is like often that is just the culture of the company particularly for like I don't know back for corporates but particularly for SMEs like the culture is essentially what the leader's sending out into is portraying and accepting. So if the leader is just a shitty person, like the odds are the company is going to have a shitty culture. You know, the leader is a good person who cares about people and is passionate about what they're doing. And like that does ripple through the company. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important also to, you know, particularly for SMEs to, to meet the owner of another business. Like it's always nice to meet the owner because if I want to work with someone, I meet the owner. I meet you. Like the first time I, 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 we spoke, I was like, wow, what a great person. Like it's obviously someone that I want to work with. But if you meet someone that you're, you're a bit unsure but, you know, they, they do sound like they can do the job well but you didn't like the person that much, you've got to stay clear of them because they've probably got people working for them as well that, you know, are probably like them and yeah, it's just not for you. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's like the leader sets that tone, you know, and and we can see that with personal branding even and just how, you know, how much personal brands are affecting the brands of businesses, even really big businesses. Look at like Gary Vee and, uh, you know, all these all these massive businesses like Alex Hermosi and, um, you know, they're the face of the brand. They really set the tone for the whole brand and it's um, it helps really skyrocket the rest of the brand. And to talk to me about personal branding. So you are a branding expert. You do help businesses build brands. Are you, do, do, do you think that as an entrepreneur, you should be working on your personal brand? Oh, absolutely. It's just such a, um, such a kind of easy way to grow your brand in terms of, I mean, it's not easy in the sense that if you're someone that struggles with like putting yourself out there, maybe it can be a little bit more challenging. I mean, easy in the sense that it's free, you know, and personal brands get up to 24 times more reach than business brands. So, you know, if you're paying for ads and paying for things like that with your business brand, it only makes sense to be capitalizing on your personal brand to get that same kind of reach. And so engagement. what does that mean? So it means that like across all the different platforms, say LinkedIn and all the social media channels, that if you um, post from your own personal profile, it's going to be shared um, so much more than with a business brand and the algorithm always changes, but it's, it's always a lot more because social media is a social platform. People want to, you know, hear real stories and connect with real people. And so it's just promoted a lot more within the algorithm because that's what people want to see. And that's what's key. Like, if you think about it, social media platforms, their end goal is keeping people on the platform. So they're going to serve the content that they think their audience is going to want to see. And so that's obviously good content, but also from the people that they think they're going to That is to see a it. very big lesson because if you're going to be spending money, you really spend it on your personal brand and direct people to your business if that's going to get more reach. Yeah. It's a much better place to spend the money. Yeah. You know, if you're going to pay for ads, pay for your personal brand ads, but make your business profile look nice so that way you can direct people there 
which is free, but but you're going to get more reach personally. Yeah, that's a very big. Yeah, it's massive. Um, I mean, even Alex Hermosi, who's a really big sales expert. Who's he again? So oh. he has a company called Acquisition.com and he's just brought out a book, $100 million leads. And he's... Oh, I didn't like that book. Oh, you didn't? Everyone loves it. On BOA, everyone loves it. Everyone yeah. talks about it. I tried to read it and I was like, I don't, I'm not connecting with him. Yeah. What? Uh, so anyway, tell me about him. Well, it's just interesting because he's such a like sales, like targets, like, you know, all, like it's all about sales, like lead gen, like all that. And like he even advocates so much for a personal brand which a lot of people think is like this fluffy thing you know but he's got um like four cornerstones to his sales um tactics which are you know like three of them are like ads cold outreach warm outreach and then the third one is like building your personal brand and so it's just interesting to see someone like that that's more of a like hard data sales kind of guy um but he's someone that's you know got like, I think it's like a hundred million dollar portfolio of companies. So he's tested all this across multiple businesses and multiple niches. And that's one of the four cornerstones that he believes the in. personal like, brand. It, it, yeah, the personal brand. So it's, it's becoming a lot more well known now that it's, it is such, it's not like, cause I think that's what held people back for so long. They feel like, oh, it's just like this ego driven thing. Like I don't, I'm not like, I'm not into that. I don't want a social media profile I'm not going to post a video like you know who like I don't want people to be like you know who do they think that who do they think I am or whatever but like it's actually a strategic tool for building your business it's not about ego that's a very different way to think about it and I agree with that I agree with that and and the other thing is it can also make the business well hey it's it, it if you if what you're saying is correct in that it's 25% it reaches 20 would you say 25% more people or Yeah that like was that? a recent study and the algorithms are always changing but it's always shows that it's much higher than uh, business yeah. brands Well not only is it then a great way to access new clients and access you know getting more people's attention but it also acts as a way to um be a bit more sticky as a business like when people like the owner or they like the founder, or they support what they're doing, or they align with them, or they admire them, or they look up to them. They're more likely to stay with the business, buy from the business, share, talk about the business. Like I, I think that uh, what are well, how can people build their personal brand? Like I think the best way to do it is just by providing value, and even just having that mindset shift is like huge because instead of being like, oh my god, I don't want to be you know, putting myself out there and talking and, you know, doing videos and getting in everyone's face. Cause I meet so many people that that's their kind of mindset. But if you kind of flip that to be like, okay, how can I actually help people and add value? Then you're kind of taking the focus a lot more, um, off of you and onto your ideal client. And you're not actually thinking about yourself. It's not about you. It's about how are you helping your ideal client? What questions do they have? What could you share that's going to help them? And just if that's your approach, no one's going to be like, oh, what an idiot. Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah, it's, like, it's not about you. It's about your client. Yeah, That's awesome. And so, I mean, getting their attention is one thing. How do you uh, create a website that is very strong? So... With websites, I think the main thing is that to, to kind of think about is the fact that people have such a short attention span these days and the it ranges the studies, but it like it's between like three and 20 seconds <laughs> that you always hear that people will decide once they visit a site that whether to stay or to click off. So it's a very, very short, like instant snap decision when someone arrives onto your website. So you just want it to be um, really appealing to your brand. It's like coming back to that cafe analogy. It's like you know, if someone's walking past a cafe, they might even give it a couple of seconds as well to just be like, oh, I'm going to, am I going to read the menu and go in or am I going to keep walking by? And it's, it's kind of like that with your website. So, um, there's always a bit of a, you know, people are like, oh, is it the messaging or the visuals that matter the most? And they both matter because the thing is the visuals, it's what's going to draw you in initially, but then when they start reading, that's what kind of keeps them there. Um, but then there's like other things to think about with your website um, in terms of, you know, capturing their 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 details, you know. So you want to have an amazing opt-in offer like a lead magnet or, you know, a way of actually getting them on your email list or getting them to make a purchase if you're an e-commerce store. Because even if they do find your website interesting, everyone has such busy lives that they could click away and just forget all about it. Whereas at least if they've downloaded that asset or, you know, taken the next step 
then they're on your list and you can continue to kind of engage with that person. If they see an email from you a month later, yeah. they'll, you know, oh, yeah, shit, I've got to get back to that. I, I, I want to check that out again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So would you say then having a compelling reason for them? Because, I mean, how many lame, hey, join our email list do you see on websites, you know? Do you think there should be something simple like that or do you think there should be something like really compelling, a uh, really compelling like offer to get them to to subscribe or to get them to do whatever? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I firmly believe you should be giving out all your best information for free. Like you want to get people on your list and you want to give them value upfront. So, um, you know, if you are to think about what kind of lead magnet you'd have, it's like what is the number one burning issue that you're audience and your customer has and how could you quickly solve that so I'm not saying solve a whole like it might be a part of the issue or just something that they can solve quite quickly and it's a quick win um you don't want to kind of you know give people this giant marathon to solve but something that will really help them on the right track that they can get that quick win within 10 minutes say or like even a tool like something like a tangible like exactly like there was a financial um expert that um, I thought did a really good job of this where they actually had a download of a cash flow calculator and it was a spreadsheet all done for you. You just pop in, you know, so something like that, it's like make someone's life easy, but it's a quick win because you, and then people think, oh, wow, like that's what I was just able to do for free with a free guide or a free asset that they had on their website, you know, and it makes them a lot more open to working with that person because people are skeptical, you know, you have to prove your worth. You have to prove why someone should essentially, you know, work with you because there's so many businesses out there and there's a lot of just scammy businesses and there's a lot of crap out there. Like you really have to just prove that like your business is legit and it delivers value. Uh, yeah. And I also think it's important though to, to not be too, um, salesy in the offer as well. Like you almost want it to be like, Hey, here's something you get without me trying to come, you know, catch you. Yeah. You know, like you, could say, you feel like that sometimes, like you're yeah. kind of like, oh, they're trying to catch me. Like, oh, no, I'm not going to put it in because, you know, they're going to get me. Yeah. But but I, I think if you can build that trust where it's like, hey, listen, I just want to, you know, here's some great information, advice, a great tool. Maybe it's even worth putting on there. We won't try contact you for sale. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you will receive our, you know, some more information like this on a monthly basis. But you know, don't worry, we're not going to be harassing you with, with sales um, calls and whatnot because I reckon that actually turns a lot of people off because they're like then it becomes not a, hey, this person's helping me with valuable information. It becomes, hey, this person's tricking me into getting onto their list so they, they get yeah. sell to me. Like, yeah. you know, and obviously that at the end of the day you do want them to work with you but you want them to work with you in a way that is – that they like you because they appreciate you and they respect you as an expert in your field because they've consumed information that has been helpful to them. And, and now that they're ready to work with you, that they feel comfortable to reach out, um, um, to do so. Exactly. You You want to like attract them. Yes. Attract instead of hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Hunting is good too. I think every business should hunt and Cubby's good at hunting. Um, but you need both. Yeah. You need both. Uh, I think it's like your brand should be like, an attractive brand that draws people in. And then you can have, you know, a certain element to your business that goes out and hunt as well, but it's not necessarily the core brand. Okay. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And would you say that's the case for your business brand and your personal brand or mostly for your personal brand? I would, I would say both. I mean, I feel like same with your personal brand, if you're giving out value, that's like attracting people in, you know, it's like giving out this amazing content and this amazing value. And that's really like an attractive like drawing people in method, but then you could still, for example, let's say if it was on LinkedIn, you could still DM people and do some outreach, say from your personal brand. But I think there's like a nice way of doing that too, without being like overly scammy. You know, it's just like, you can just offer again, offer value and just like deepen that conversation. Or even just doing it yourself as a human, you know, like that, that even just that helps, Mm -hmm. you know, I get all these emails and messages that, you know, it's, yeah. And it's also uh, like set, like it's, Hey, Daniel, uh, boa.app is a great technology company that we think fits out, you know, like, get out of my face. (laughs) Even just being human, being like, hey, you want to have a coffee? Like, even that's nice because like, fuck it, I'll have a coffee with someone. Like, yeah, yeah, as long as as you're interesting to me in some sort of way. but. But even that just feels a bit nicer. Yeah, honestly, if someone is like struggling and like, oh, I don't know how to do sales. I have no idea how to reach out to someone or whatever. That's probably a, that's probably like an advantage for you because you're just going to be like a human and just be a normal person and be like, hey, rather than all these scripted stuff that everyone's so sick of. 
Yeah, the script. The script is what's wrong. The script is, I reckon, ruining most people's outreach. I mean, at Cub, we do a lot of outreach because I always had an issue with digital, um, digital marketing because the algorithms changed. All the digital marketing companies we used. Um, I don't want to. They, they, were, they were all good, but they, they don't control. What, they didn't control what they were doing because Zuckerberg and the others control what happens. Not you know, not the the marketing person. And so I I wanted to have more control. I wanted to have more control over our sales. And so I decided to, we built out a fantastic outreach. It doesn't mean everyone we reach out to we want to sell to because Cub you know it's a premium brand. Not everyone can access it, but at least it gave us. We, we learned our numbers, you know, we were able to work backwards. So if we reach out to this many people or this many of them are actually eligible for CUP and this many of them will come in for a meeting and this many of them convert. And therefore we know how many people we're going to be able to get every single month for the rest of our lives, even if Facebook and LinkedIn blow up tomorrow, you know, and I liked having that security. So yeah. I think it's very important for businesses to have that outreach strategy. But then yesterday talking about personal branding. We, me and Laura don't really look at this podcast as personal branding. We just look more look at it like uh, it's my way of meeting all the new members and sorry, not even new members. We, we actually don't even interview new members personally. Normally it's second year members onwards, but sometimes new. Um, but it's my way of speaking to people and I enjoy doing it. And we started it because we wanted to just give people that weren't members or couldn't access CUB for price, eligibility or location or whatever it may be you know, some sort of value, you know, they get to hear from members and learn from members. But yesterday I was in a leadership meeting and we we're talking about, um, um, improving our mark. We were talking about next year's goals and improving our marketing uh, plan content and blah, blah, blah. And, um, two, like our Sydney club head and, uh, um, Anthony who runs cub both said that they're told by the sales team that so many people reach out to reach out to them because they heard the podcast and they're fans of the podcast. I forgot to tell you that, Laura. Yeah, and I said, really? I was like, because I put a lot of the, the podcast take a lot of time to, mm. to do. And they're like, yes, you know, don't stop. So many people find it. And I was like, that's so interesting. Like, this is not at all why we're doing the podcast, but it, it obviously is that uh, attract, you know, yeah. a part of the attracting strategy. 100%. And that's why it's so hard to kind of, track things like these days because as you said algorithms are always changing but also it's like the buyer's journey is circular it's not linear you know it's people visit a website then they listen to the podcast then they check out your insta then they ask a friend that's been there there's many steps in that journey before someone actually especially for a big ticket item for like a premium brand there's multiple touch points and so like what we've seen sometimes is like, say a client might come to us and they'd be like, oh, we've tried this in the past, but we've gotten no results. So we've tried this, but then sometimes it's like, not necessarily that they haven't gotten, they might not have had direct results, but then when they actually stop it, they're surprised at how actually things fall away. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's really, I mean, obviously you have to track your data and focus on the things that are performing, but it's. You it really, is hard to measure. It is hard to measure. And you really do need to have, you know, a few different touch points. Like people need to see you in a few different areas and, um, and you just really never know what it is that's going to like the amount of people that I meet that might say to me, oh, my God, I, I love your LinkedIn content. I've been following and things like that. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I didn't even realize you followed me because I don't remember ever getting like a comment or a like or a message from that person. Like a lot of people don't necessarily engage, but they're following, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can tell you that even just my experience with BOA. Like the, the number of, you can see how many users are on the platform, how many people are active daily, but compared to how many people actually post, comment or like, is it's a lot less. And I can't remember some, one of my tech mentors told me the actual stat of how many people on these platforms, I think they call them participate on the platform. Yep. Like it's a time, I think it's 1% of people actually post, 10% of people will engage in a post and literally the other 90% um, of them, 89% of them are literally just watching. You know, they're just observing. So like, you know, just because it's silent mm -hmm. doesn't mean um, just because just because they're silent, they're not engaging doesn't mean they're not getting value and, and, and seeing what you're doing. Exactly. So if anyone's listening to this and is like wanting to start, you know, building their personal brand or anything like that, then that should be exciting to you because that is opportunity. If there's only 10% that are like actively engaging or commenting and 
that's that's potential right there. That's opportunity for people to actually be active and become one of the 10% or 1%. Um, so I think there's there's so much room to grow. And and also you got to put numbers in a perspective. So like even if you have a podcast and it's a small podcast, let's say your podcast has 100 listeners. So you do an episode, your podcast has 100 listeners. Imagine how big the room would have to be if you had 100 people sitting in the room listening to you talk. Like it's actually a lot of people. It's not a small amount. So if you, even if you have a small following or a small um, podcast listening or YouTube channel, 100 people, still 100 people, 200 people, you need a fucking giant room to put, put 200 people in to sit down to listen to you sit with a guest and talk. Like yeah. imagine that. That's still having an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you can't see it. Like yeah. if, if you put all these people listening to this episode in a room, like you need a fucking giant room. You know, like it's, it's, it, you, or I don't even know what room you could have big enough, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you, it, but it doesn't matter. Obviously this has been going for a while now and whatever, but, but even if it's small, like 50 people that have listened, that's 50 people that have are finding value in something you're doing. Mm. That's a lot of people. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I just gets, everyone gets obsessed with the like big numbers, but it's not about the big numbers. I think it's about just making an impact giving some people value and if those people like it, there's probably more people like them who would also like it and you should probably speak to those people and say, hey, what do you like about it? Who, find out who they are and then if you want to grow that following, market to those that demographic of people for the reasons that they follow you, which you can find out in the interview and, and get 50 more mm-hmm. and, you know, 100 people who love who, who like you, love you or learn from you or value you, I think this is like a little army. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really puts it into perspective when you think about it like that. Yeah, it does. It does very much. Anyway, we do have to wrap up. Laura was twirling her fingers at me, and um, um, you've been an exceptional guest. I've loved. I mean, you already knew I, I love everything you, you say, but but um, I have to apologise for my like brain was all all over the shop no, today. I got so many things. On. I actually, when you, you remember when I was talking about being. Or like whatever I'll see. There you go. My brain's not working. But but um, when I was talking about being focused, me speaking right now is literal evidence of me not being fully focused, yeah. like having too many things on. Yeah. And that's 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 a sickness that comes occasionally. Yeah. It's a cycle. To it's all just business. like it. Have, it's mm. same with me. It just ha- like I get better, and I'm like, okay, I've like, got, yeah. and then it just back comes into the back. cycle. But honestly, for me, I find what helps the most is like doing like somatic kind of work, which is like body work. So like chiro, um, like physio, exercise, breath work, because it like helps you to kind of get out of that. Like, because basically what happens is your nervous system goes into like fight or flight and it's very hard to think your way out of that. Like, so what I find really works for me is like actually physically getting out of that and like, and then when your body is relaxed, your mind starts to relax. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much always in fight mode. (laughs) 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 But to our amazing listeners, if you want to get in contact with Katie, you can go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find her information there. Uh, as I said, she, she actually Katie was a, a big kind of, um, uh, I think like advisor uh, for me at the start of BOA and she gave me some great uh, information, as I said, at the start of the episode. So I, I highly value um, Katie's opinions on things. So, you, you know, pardon? I said, just said, thank oh, you. Oh, I thought you said, do you? <laughs> But, Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep recognizing. But but anyway, go, go reach out to Katie. And if you want to catch up with Cub on social, it's at Club United Business on Instagram. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. So really appreciate you having me here. And actually, do you have a favorite book you want to suggest before we finish or? Um, yeah, I mean, one that um, I love in terms of putting structure into, into your business is Traction by Gina Wickman. Love Traction. Great book. Yeah. I think that that was actually one of the biggest books that helped me when I was early, early stage cup, like to set up everything. Very practical. Love it. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the show.